0: Hey, guys, it's Rosie. Uh, I just wanted to warn you, this is a bit of a long episode, but it's totally okay, because you can split it up into chunks and listen to it that way. Um, Also, at the beginning, Hope and I, uh, since we hadn't recorded a podcast in about three weeks, we got really excited and we wanted to talk for a few minutes. So if you are just wanting to get straight to the info, then I would say definitely go to about the 10 minute mark. And that's when we start talking about corsets uh, for real so have a good listen and uh thank you for being here okay welcome to a vague knowledge of everything this is episode 11. uh and before we jump into this episode uh i do want to mention we haven't had a podcast episode for a couple of weeks uh that wasn't necessarily planned there were some scheduling issues um and because we're not being paid for this we go with our own schedules um <laughs> so uh so there were some scheduling issues uh but there also we just had an issue with the uh oh, the platform we're using um our, some of our recordings got messed up so you guys are kind of missing uh, a really cool episode that we recorded with um a theology scholar who also happens to be Hope's mom, mm-hmm. uh, where we all talked about uh, Christmas and some of the pagan traditions that Christians have absorbed, and uh, and it was a really fun episode. So hopefully we can bring that into an Easter episode, and we'll get everything figured out, and you can actually hear it because it was really really cool. Yeah, uh, but yeah, so that's why we haven't had that for a couple of weeks. Uh, but yeah, so as always, I am Rosie. I'm Hope. Happy New Year, Rosie. Thank you. Happy New Year, Hope. Uh, Yeah. So, yeah. How was your Christmas?
1: It was really good. (laughs) It was uh, more eventful than I was planning on it being. So I drove from here to Pittsburgh. And that drive is usually, like, pretty long. Whenever I'm by myself, I can usually do it in, like, 9 or 10 hours. If Griffin is with me, it's usually probably closer to 11 or 12. um, Because
0: he has a smaller bladder than I (laughs) do.
1: And, uh, so okay, Griffin, who do I? I got to, I, oh, I'm going to give a shout out this week. So I got to Emporia, Virginia, which is about three hours outside of Wilmington and seven hours away from Pittsburgh and Griffin. I took Griffin's car cause my car doesn't have cruise control and it broke. Like it started smoking and it wouldn't accelerate anymore. So I had to like pull over on the side of the road. Wow. And I was like, I'm too far from either place to do like call anybody. I did call people to let them know what was going on. So I was just like, hey, mom and dad, can I borrow your AAA Because I need help. So <laughs> some guy picked me up off the side of the road. And the thing was, like, I was just about to stop to pee and to get gas. And so I had to wait to pee until I got to this tow truck place, which is another, like, hour later. Oh, so, sucks. But these people were so nice. And I grabbed a book that I had brought with me whenever I got to the place. So I sat there like, we're going to work on your car. Like, we know you're traveling. Like you have first dibs. And I was like, okay. So I was there for like five hours and I was just reading my book and I was like, I can't do anything. I was like really chill while it was happening. And, but they were unsure.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well,
1: they were unsure if they were going to be able to like save the car. Like it was that, like something had happened where it was like that, like the water heater, the water pump had broke or something. And then there was something else going on. So, My dad and my mom were ready to get me like a rental car to drive back up to Pittsburgh. Griffin was like, what are we going to do with my car? And I was like, I don't know, buddy. (laughs) So eventually they fixed it and they're like, this will get you to Pittsburgh. And I was like, okay. So then it's now almost four o'clock which is about the time i would have been back in pittsburgh and i still had to drive seven more hours but oh. my parents met me in breezewood which is like a big exit on the turnpike outside of pittsburgh which is about two hours away they met me there and then my dad helped me drive the rest of the way back oh, so i came nice. home until like midnight but that's fine and then griffin ended up coming up with my car because we got his car looked at and they were like it's this car's not worth anything anymore and i was like I have to get home somehow, so Griffin had to come up. But uh, it was a really good Christmas, but it was a lot more eventful than I was planning for.
0: Wow, yeah. well, that's uh, that's exciting. I'm glad you got everything sorted out, mm-hmm. basically, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> how was your Christmas? Well, that's good. Uh, oh, my Christmas is really chill. We... I actually, so, so we talked a little bit in the Christmas episode about this, but all of that footage is lost, um, or other footage that audio is lost. Um, so, so we talked a little bit about how my experience growing up was different than the experience that I have going to my, uh, husband's for the holidays and we live closer to them. So we generally do that anyway. They're all very, very close family. Um, a lot of them will get together at a time we're talking like, you know, 20 to 30 people maybe. Um, and their holidays tend to be like loud and rambunctious and stuff and I actually kind of missed it, which is yeah, weird because it's not how I grew up and like, and I'm an introvert and so usually at these events, I'll like take a walk or go for a na- like take a nap, you know, <laughs> like I'll do some things that are like, I'm going to go do this by myself for a while and then come back. Right. Um, um, apparently, when you nap a lot, people think you're pregnant, but I yeah no I just nap I just like to nap a lot, especially when I'm feeling overwhelmed by lots of people, even if they're people I love. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so our our Christmas was super chill, which was really, really great. But also I did kind of miss like the big like everybody shouting with, you know, shouting with love that's that's what they do they shout with love Um, caring caring loudly at you (laughs) yeah caring loudly at you yeah so so i I missed that and we did get some of the caring loudly at you uh over the internet so thank you for that because i do know some of them listen to this so like i miss you i love you um hi kusans and we're we're very sad that we didn't get to actually uh spend the day with you but it was still nice doing what we did and we sent out a bunch of packages and stuff uh so yeah that was good
1: my mom's side of the family is the Kusan side of the family where it's really loud. And we see them a lot more. And uh, my mom and her three siblings were on Zoom on New Year's Eve from seven until midnight. They had a five-hour Zoom with each other. Wow! They haven't seen each other. They have we like the last time we saw everybody. I think was like in a backyard distance thing at Memorial Day. That was the last time like anybody seen each other. Before that it was probably like last Christmas.
0: Yeah, I mean, we've seen we've seen his his parents and sister and niece and, and our niece and nephew, uh, mm-hmm. but like because they were at our wedding. But before that, it was like Christmas for everyone else in the family. I think that's pretty much when we saw them. So, so yeah, so that's definitely a time time stamp. This is during the pandemic, as all Robin of our got to see each other
1: social distantly i saw her in her <laughs> new condo and we all wore masks and rosie gave us matching mugs that say slay queen on it and it has the little girl from uh meet salmar which is i watched i had to live with yeah. Rosie for like a week and we just watched horror movies
0: and i, I, well, I, something? I know we need to get we do, We we need to get to corsets, which is our topic, but uh, but these okay. I you might be on the same track as what I, what I was about to say. Um, but what I, what I was about to just sort of mention is that while you were staying with me, we watched horror movies because people keep telling me, or people people keep telling you, oh, you can't handle that. You shouldn't watch that, etc. Mm-hmm. And like so, for Midsommar, you had apparently been told like you shouldn't watch it, and I was like, there's one scene that's in sort of towards the beginning and that's pretty bad and that can be pretty triggering for people with mental illness but i mean it's a horror movie they are triggering for people with mental illness that's just what it is okay so if you (laughs) like that's just something that you have to understand about that but like but like there's one moment and then after that like no it's it's a horror movie but you can handle it and then after you saw it you were like yeah yeah, totally. So I think people I think you might actually like horror movies if you like watched a lot of them, because I think people have been keeping you away from them yeah. to protect you. But I
1: think it's yeah. something going on Like whenever <laughs> as you get older, like your the palate on your tongue changes. I think the palate of like the stuff that you consume yeah. in anything changes because we watched like, Tuck, what is it? Tucker and Dale versus Evil and Ready or Not. Mm-hmm. We watched a bunch of stuff. And I was like, and, we
0: and this stuff we watch generally like f- more feministy type ones because that's Thanks. what I tend to be <laughs> interested. So I would say Midsummer is like definitely like a um, a more feminist and like Ready or Not, definitely like that kind of stuff where you have like women who are going through mm-hmm. a lot of shit and you know, and are powering through, and it's, like, not the final right. girl where it's someone who lives because she's, like, sweet and innocent. It's someone living because she's, like, badass and yeah. literally um, kicking and then ass.
1: Griffin and I were watching New Girl the other night, and it was the episode with High Jess, whenever she gets really high no. at C.C.'s Bachelorette party. <laughs> and oh, something <laughs> in that episode made me think of you. They, but, and Ryan watching oh, it they were watching they're watching *Anne green Gables*, and i was like i love yeah, that i know and then i was even how you gave me this mug and i was like man this summer whenever i stayed with rosie for however long and i was just over there all the time that was so nice like that was just like the <laughs> highlight of my summer was i had to be separated from griffin and it was really bad and terrible but then you and i got to have like a like five day long sleepover and that was really nice
0: yeah. and that's yeah and i had to be separated from chris also and it's yeah, it was it was fun. It's not something you usually get to do with like grown up female friends. So yeah, it, was, it was cool. Oh my gosh, we're almost 10 minutes and we okay. need to get to our our actual point. Um, okay. <laughs> so our topic today is something I've been really interested in recently. And I suggested it to Hope because I had just been watching lots and lots of YouTube videos of fashion historians. And i had been reading lots of articles and looking at lots of uh, resources and things. And I've come to realize something which i had a sneaking suspicion of at first um which is that corsets and the other structure and undergarments that came before them that we call corsets that aren't actually corsets uh Mm. all are given a really shitty reputation that they mostly don't deserve Mm. (laughs) uh that that's my hypothesis well not that no not not hypothesis that's my like log line for this i guess so that's if you want to know what i am going to be talking about it's the history of them, the things that have been said about them, and whether or not those things are true. And most of them either aren't, or they're being vastly exaggerated.
1: These are your observations. Um, and
0: so yeah, well, these are my observations and the observations of a lot of fashion historians that I've been uh, watching and listening to and reading uh, reading from recently. So let me let me start by saying, okay, so what is your understanding of corsets through just like the life you've led, and you don't have to like include the text I sent you earlier when I suggested yeah. this. <laughs> it could just be like, what did you grow up understanding and believing about corsets?
1: Corsets, you know, were something that old tiny women wore. And it was, like, one of those, like, staples of fashion where it wasn't necessarily because it was stylish. It was just, like, what everybody did. It was, like, assumed that this was something you're going to do. And um, it looks very painful. And um, I know that it caused a lot of complications for people. But in more recent years, I think it's more – and then there's that – you know those, like, those Guinness Book of World Records that were really yeah. big that you would read in elementary school and stuff? There is mm-hmm. one where I saw a lady like got her waist down really, really small using a waist trainer and stuff. And, 13 um, inches,
0: I think, is that one, yeah. I saw that one when yeah. I was a kid, too.
1: And she was just like, yeah, I just kind of felt like doing it. And I was like, huh, Interesting. And then more most recently, there's um, an episode that the Try Guys did on YouTube where they wore corsets for a day. And there's this whole boutique in LA that they went to where women are just like, yeah, we just like wearing corsets. Like, that's it. So I think now my understanding is it's more of like a style thing where if you want to wear it, you can. And there's something called waist trainers, which I know women will wear to like, kind of like smooth everything out and make you look like not mm-hmm. slimmer, but just like
0: less lumpy. You know what I mean? Well, generally, I think the waist training does actually like that is to slim down. Yeah. Um, at least the way the Kardashians do it. But we can talk more about that later. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, well, that's a yeah. No, I think that's like a a good sort of like cultural understanding from like a millennial woman, you know, who like didn't grow up with any. uh any other sort of like influences, you know, like not going to Renaissance mm-hmm. fairs, that kind of stuff. So like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. And, that, and that's similar to kind of what I understood as well. Uh, and I actually remember going to some sort of like living history thing where a Victorian lady, well, it was like uh, someone play acting as a Victorian lady, came to our library and was like would go through like oh this is what i wear and stuff and this is all these you know and so she basically was purporting to say like this is the truth about everything but she actually said some things that are lies which we'll figure out later on Um, (laughs) the other
1: the other interaction i think you and i have had a lot of with corsets is people dressing up like pirates or like old-timey like boat wenches cause the the uh, whole the point there is just to get your boobs under your chin,
0: yeah, effectively, and all that's coming from. I mean, it's coming from some historical accuracy, depending on who's doing it and like what they're looking at and what resources they drew from to create their costumes. And there's a lot of it that's like absolutely horrible, yes. uh, and a lot of it that we've seen is absolutely horrible. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. So just, just to refresh everyone's uh, everyone's memory, or if you haven't listened to our podcast before, Hope and I met while we were working on traditionally rigged sailing ships, otherwise called tall ships. Uh, basically, Master and Commander: Pirates of the Caribbean. Like, look at those movies and that's what it is um it's it's those um i like both of us have actually worked on a ship that was in the first pirates of the caribbean so like that's the style of ship uh that we worked on and that brings a lot of people who want to either reenact or dress up in a way that they think is reenacting um it leads people to want to bring weapons on board, you know, to a tourist location. Yep. <laughs> you know, it brings like, it, it's it's just insane that the number of things people decide are okay when they come into the ships. And one of the things that that they do is they dress up, which is okay. Uh, yeah. But a lot of it's not super accurate, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, that's definitely uh, definitely something where I think I had a little bit of a shitty attitude about corsets because of so many of the women I saw who like wanted to just come on a pirate ship and be like, ooh, yar, I'm a wench, and like yeah. you know, be dressed in like a like some sort of like uh, Halloween store corset thing, you know? <laughs> so and, and that's really I don't know. I think that's really silly. I think if you're a woman who's really into pirates, look into the female pirates who actually existed. And that's like probably a much cooler historical thing that you can right. uh, learn about. Because That would be your
1: main character instead of a side character.
0: Yeah, that's true. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, Anne, Bonnie, and Mary Reed, I think, were the two like super po- uh, popular in uh, in books and stuff. And I think we have the most information about them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so so you definitely look up some female pirates if you want some more uh, interesting sort of more feminist history. So what we've come to know as a corset now it's really hard to figure out when that actually first was made and came about. And it really was something that evolved. It wasn't something that just showed up on the scene and people had to start wearing it. Yeah. Um, So in about the 1400s, that's when we started seeing medieval dress include a structured element, Um, not quite the same as a more modern corset, but uh, you see some sort of structured element there. So look at this here. Okay. So this is, all right. I'm going to be showing Hope some pictures and I will be putting all of these pictures up on our website. There'll be a blog posting that has all the pictures in them. All right. So here's our first picture we have there. This is actually a painting um, um, it's painting of uh, the medieval era. And she's wearing, this is called a kirtle. Okay. This outer garment that she has on, there's some lacing up the side and there's a little bit of structure to that that's holding her chest together. So you can kind of see like, okay, that's kind of holding stuff in. It
1: looks a lot shorter than what I'm used to seeing. Like I'm used to seeing like the full like torso. This looks like it's just like from like under your pits to like just to where your waist starts to go in. So it looks different than what I thought it would look like.
0: Yeah. So, so there's, um, so this is from probably about the 1400s. Um, it looks like there is kind of a defined waist, and that's something that is a little bit of a change from this, which would have been earlier. And this is actually, there's a historical painting on one side. And then on the other side is a recreation by uh, a costumer from Broadway. Who's also historical, um, fashion interpreter.
1: You can like see, you can tell where the evolution started. Because, like, these yeah. are the medieval stuff where it's, like, lacing up in the front, like, very simply. Mm-hmm. And then the idea is, like, everything needs to be laced up down the line from yeah.
0: there. And if you look at this, it's it's a little bit hard to tell in this black and white photo. But I watched the video that this woman who made that dress uh, did. And I also watched a video of her roasting a knockoff that she got for $40 on the Internet, oh. which is great. Um, she's a total uh, burnin' up. Banner is a total like history fashion nerd and it's 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 just kind of great watching her because she has no issues with telling people that they're wrong uh but anyway
1: oh Luna has the zoomies. I apologize oh Luna
0: has the zoomies okay that's okay <laughs> um yeah so uh so yeah so the medieval kirtle was sort of the beginning of structured garments I suppose, because yeah. they weren't really undergarments. There was something that went underneath them as well. And also they were worn by both men and women at that oh. time. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's a thing. and And this is something that's not documented as well. So we don't really know how many, but there actually were quite a few men over the course of about those 500 years, the 1400s, the 1900s, who did wear corsets, um, and it was to achieve whatever the the figure that was popular at the time, of course, for men that changed a lot less. And so usually it was just a hold in their gut. But anyway, but but in medieval times, it was just like a thing you wore. And they didn't have, I wouldn't say they didn't have gendered clothing, because I think they probably always did. Mm -hmm. But they didn't have it gendered as much. Um, so, you, like, men were wearing pants in medieval times. They're wearing, like, the underlayer that's more dress-like and the kirtle over the top.
1: You know what is the other 2020 uh, corset? Drag queens. Mm-hmm. Tricky yes. and Katia have a number of corsets that I've seen them in. And she was, I was talking about how she had gained weight, but like, wasn't acknowledging it. And she said, I had a corset made of bone and canvas. And I put it on and I went, this shrunk. <laughs> 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 Which
0: can't happen. <laughs> oh my God. I just, that yeah, funny. that's true. That's true. Corsets, just, just for anyone's edification, corsets should not be made of... Um, well, I suppose we have kind of do, like things that are like corsets now that have stretchy material, But mm-hmm. is generally like historically the way corsets evolved. They're not stretchy. <laughs> they're yeah. structured. Yeah. Like they, ma- they make a shape and then you're in that shape, you know, like that's not, um, mm-hmm. but it is related to your body. And we'll talk more about that. But yeah, yeah. absolutely. Drag queens. Um uh, So back to the medieval times. Uh, So, yeah, the the medieval times uh, did show that sort of beginning of the structured bodice, um, which then became more popular for men than women. And so you see a little bit of a shift. Um, And I think that it is primarily that women wanted more structure because hey sometimes you just want to be wearing something like for me i want to be something wearing a bra sometime of the month like there's like maybe two days of the month where i can't not have support on my boobs yeah um and you know and you look at this like think about this historically like people weren't necessarily that much smaller then. like they didn't have very good nutrition and a lot of people didn't have access to proper food so sure you were seeing people smaller but like there are women out there who had like, like me, double T's, you know, who yeah. wants, you know, or then you have like your G's and F's, like you have bigger breast sizes that you want to hold up. Yeah. So I think primarily that's probably where that came from, but I haven't, I haven't seen absolute proof, but I think that's primarily why women started wearing more structured things before men did and it became more common. So that was medieval times. Then we moved towards the Elizabethan period and things, uh, the, the Tudor period, the Elizabethan period, Um, that was about like the 1500s, um, going up to, I think 1600. Um, and during that time they had a more structured form of dress. This is when men were starting to wear, uh, like, like they would have like a doublet, you know, like the, the coat, and like, you'd have pants, but they have sort of like a little skirt thing too. So look up pictures of Henry VIII. Um, Ah, and that will kind of give you. An example of what the men's fashion looked like, because we are primarily talking about women. Uh, but yeah, so so this is the Henry VIII period because uh, Henry Tudor, and then the Elizabethan period was Queen Elizabeth I. Um, when you're talking about any period of time like that, that's a name. It's named after the king or the queen. Um, so here is a picture that it was smaller than I meant it to be, but that's, <laughs> that's that that's is pretty. an and it will it's actual it is actually an Elis- Elizabethan dress. Um, for the mid to late fifteen hundreds. And like like what do you notice about like the difference between that and like that robe like dress we were looking at before? Well, this for the looks, multiple times.
1: Uh very stifling in terms of I'm not moving. <laughs> I'm moving my feet and like maybe below my knees. I'm not lifting up my arms. I'm not breathing had, very well.
0: <laughs> it looked like they had like decently tight sleeve, well, I don't know if they're tight sleeves, but they had, like, like the sort of, like, non-tapered sleeves. They have some, like, some puffs at the shoulders, so there is some range of motion there, but, like, but then you also have, like, all the way up to your neck, yeah. you know, you have this fabric coming up there. This is also when they were wearing ruffs, um, mm-hmm. especially in the Elizabethan period, so the ruffs, if anyone wants to get a really good look of what that actually looks like historically, the movie Tulip Fever is great, um, and that's just watch Tulip Fever, you'll understand what I mean when I'm talking <laughs> about ruffs. Um, so so yes, and and they have a more defined waist, and this is also where skirts start to flare out more. And so you have, instead of like a dress where the fabric is falling all the way down, you have like gathered skirts coming yep. up at this point. So that's it's a little bit of a change there, and it also is a change in the undergarments, because now uh, At this point in time, they have what's called a pair of bodies, which we think that that's what bodice came from. And it's called pair in the same way we say pair of pants. So it's like, Ah. it's one item, but it's to hold your, you know, like, and maybe it's like laced up the side. So maybe it was, it could have been two separate pieces, but generally it's just like, yeah. So, so this is what it looks like. This is a picture of a real one from a museum. This
1: what we're talking about right now looks like the blueprint that like Disney princesses dresses came from. Like it's not yeah. exactly, but it look you can tell like, this is where they looked for their research and stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So they have the cone shape kind of, so it's like, it's bigger up top and it's like smaller down at the bottom. Um, and like, really what they're trying to achieve there is they're trying to like flatten the bust So you're not coming out quite as far. And they're also trying to move the bust up. Uh, and because if we look at, Yeah. If you look back at this dress, like that's a pretty flat um, front to this dress. Yeah. And so you definitely want to move, like you want to kind of spread out the cleavage. It's not supposed to be all gathered in one place except for up at the top. Um, So you're basically just moving your cleavage upwards uh, with this and you're also... um, creating a more conical shape because that was what was popular with the dresses.
1: It seems like we're getting into the era where it's like, it comes down in a square across, like it, the straps come yes. down and then straight across. And then you get like that double Yeah, feature. We can like tell where they're getting cinched in. And it's just like their cups run us over. You know what I mean? <laughs> It shouldn't be,
0: but yes. <laughs> um, no, I'm it, it's one of those things that's like a lot of, unfortunately, what we've seen um, is in boobies, and a lot of that's terrible. But uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll get we'll get through our pictures and the history. Then I'll talk a little bit about sexism and then we will debunk some specific myths. I'm so going to go ahead like,
1: and yeah. say we're going to talk a lot about sexism, if I know us <laughs> at all. <laughs>
0: Fair. That's true. Uh, Okay, so here is a a picture Mm -hmm. from 1765. Mm -hmm. This, I believe, also is a surviving garment. So just tell me what you're looking at here. A lot of hips. A lot of hips. hips. We're
1: getting into the ball gown era where it's not so (laughs) much about, like, having a pretty dress. It's about having the biggest dress possible. Like, literally it looks like she's hiding a table underneath her dress. But she cinched at the waist and she's got that,
0: like, triangle figure at the top you know what i mean yeah the upside down yeah, so, so this is what's called um a robe a la française, which is that's probably a terrible french accent but i i don't speak french um and that's uh it's similar to like here's a picture of marie antoinette around the yep. same time period uh, yep. yep she's got the big giant hair all the bows the big yeah like Effectively, it, it it makes you more than three times as wide as you are as a human when you're wearing one of these dresses. They were called Mantua dresses, and they're they're giant. Um, if you watch Marie Antoinette, they actually have them. Basically, their costume design, as far as I've heard, and I'm not a fashion historian, but as far as I've heard and read, their costume design was very good and very true to the period. The, the other things that they did, like the colors and the modern music were definitely different. And that was something they did as a conscious choice, but like the actual styles apparently are really, really good. So yep. that's good to know. So you can go back and watch fun Kirsten Dunst movie <laughs> from just, the arts and see a little bit of uh French fashion. I just, their legs must've been so
1: sweaty and hot and they weren't allowed to complain about it. I just feel really bad for historical women.
0: <laughs> it's, you don't need to feel as bad as you're feeling and we'll talk about that later. <laughs> so <laughs> uh all right, so here's here's a here's a picture. This is a bunch of different um sort of different variations and styles of what are called stays. Yeah. Uh and those were so after we get through the the pair of bodies um period, they they evolve into what's called stays and stays are something that They're a structured garment, um, and this is where we get into the phrases that we're gonna giggle at. They have a lot of boning. Um, (laughs) So much boning in corsetry, guys. Uh, Just just so so everyone knows what boning is, Um, when you hear uh like whalebone corset you know um it is because they didn't well they didn't actually use bone um they used baleen which was basically like the whale's teeth um it's a little more pliable um it's it's for filter feeders it's so filter feeders like um oh yeah the straw thing yeah like so if you see like a humpback whale or something um a sperm whale does not have that so so just so you know like when they're going at yeah sperm whale oh my (laughs) god this 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 episode is a minefield for dirty sounding things that aren't. (laughs) But, but yeah, so, so like, I don't, okay. okay. I have a real annoyance when people think that the whaling industry was, uh, was hugely related to corsetry. Like, it was related and it definitely like was a thing but like the reason they were going out whaling was for whale oil like they were trying to get the fat from the whale and there was also like liquid from the head of the sperm whale that was used in perfume like there's all kinds of weird shit we did with whales they were being hunted for corsetry specifically guys that would have been really weird
1: i really like the things historically that we get annoyed about that other people assume because it's always stuff about like whales and boats
0: and like yeah that's just not true (laughs) yeah and before i learned anything about corsets i learned a lot about whaling because Mm. if you are like a nerdy teenager and you're really into tall ships um like oh i don't know me at 16 you end up reading either about like The British Navy, which I had no interest in. Um, After that, I actually did end up reading like a bunch of the Hornblower books, which are from uh, (laughs) the British Navy. But like you have to read out like the British Navy or yachts, which wasn't what I was interested in or whaling. And so I ended up reading a bunch of stuff about whaling because... It was interesting to me because I understood the sailing nomenclature and I wanted to learn more about why boats were used back then. So, yeah, so I do get weird about whaling because I know more about it than most of the people I've talked to.
1: But One of my favorite books is In the Heart of the Sea, and I still hold that that's a book for everybody. Like, even if you've never set foot on a boat, the guy, Nathaniel Philbrick, writes it in such a way where it's accessible to everybody. So if you're looking for a good book... Yeah. Read in the heart of the sea, and then see the movie. The movie's okay, but the book the book is very yeah. good.
0: Yeah, the, the movie's like a, a stopgap in between that book and Moby Dick. Really, it's not. Yeah, it's not the true story. I'm sorry, Ron Howard. It's just not. But um, Chris Hemsworth very pretty to look at. True, very pretty to look at. And um, actually, so a friend of mine, several friends of mine, met Chris Hemsworth when he was like being trained on like stuff you do on boats. He went oh. to the Lammy boats, oh. and my friend yeah <laughs> my, my friend tanner took him aloft and said he was a really nice guy and that and uh and all that and uh also my friend my friend shiny shout out um he said that uh, so okay so i got really annoyed with him because i realized i was on Tolly Moore which was in long beach at the same time he was in san pedro meeting uh chris hemsworth and i was like but could you have like given me a call? Like, come (laughs) on, man. Uh, but but he, uh, right after he said he met Chris Hemsworth, he was like, and he is as, as attractive as you think he is. Oh no. (laughs) So
1: I know I have no chill to begin with. I would have, I probably would just perish right there. And then I just would be like, I can't can't perish. perish." I would just, I would surely (laughs) perish. The ladies from, uh, one quick side note, the ladies from Ghostbusters said that not only was he very nice, he was also very funny, and then they were singing along, and he started singing like a songbird, and Melissa McCarthy was like, just stop it. Just stop it. I've never wished so hard for somebody to be an absolute jerk, because he's just too perfect.
0: (laughs) Okay, anyway, excuse me. So that was the digression involving wailing and Chris Hemsworth, but yeah, anyway, so back to corsets. okay so okay so i got an eye digression because i wanted to say that whale bones um yeah well okay whale bones like the actual skeletons of whales were not used in the making of courses um, mm-hmm. it was baleen it's from filter feeding whales and it's it's more like it's it's something like teeth it's not exactly that but it's like that it's it's fairly pliable um uh, but there were other things that people used as well you could also use um Reed um, is a natural thing you can use. You can use feathers. Oh. Um, there's a really interesting video uh, that I can also put up on our website of, again, Bernadette Banner, who's fantastic, um, as she's just making feather boning for a corset. And it's it's really cool to watch if you're interested in just like, you know, having a cup of tea at a project and just watching someone do something really cool. Like, yeah, it's, it's no. I would highly recommend it. But anyway, so there were multiple ways to get that effect um, so, when people say like, like that, that like, uh, oh, that like the, the scarcity of whales was really hard on the corset industry. I mean, like, kind of to the people who were only using whalebone, but not really. So, yeah. but anyway, that comes that comes later. That we talk about how we transferred to steel boning and all that. But <laughs> then anyway, so so we were just at the 17th century. Sure. Okay. 17th century. Yeah. Oh, no, no. We're at the 18th century now. Um, okay. Because the robe à la Française was 18th century, which is the 1700s. Yep. Um, so, yeah. So, so there's, there's that. And I showed you some, some earlier versions of stays. This, this next dress is a robe à la anglaise, which I did not actually probably need to include in here because it's very similar to the robe à la Française, but it's just not quite as wide.
1: Yeah. Um, it, it is but that. Yeah.
0: Yeah effectively and then these are the stays that would go under them and they're very similar to uh, the other stuff we've talked about so so that is really that's the disney princess silhouette that's the like uh the cinderella that classic kind of thing yeah uh and and that is you know and 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 that those are pictures of actual garments uh so they definitely did exist that the wish to have your body look like that existed Um, They didn't quite do it in the way we think we did, but we talk more about that later. Anyway, uh, so so that was was the 18th century. Uh, And then when we move to the Regency era, this is actually the first time we get away from something that's that shape. Like, we've had a sort of similar shape for several hundreds of years. And then we go to this, which i'll show you so you want to just tell oh, me what the pride you're seeing and prejudice
1: here. look the empire waist shit yeah yeah, where there's yeah the empire waist
0: shit you're just wearing it <laughs> that- <laughs> yeah the, yeah the, the pride and prejudice look uh yeah the color white was very popular then so they have a lot of white dresses and stuff like that um the picture i showed you is actually well yeah so the picture i showed you is from emma which is another jane austen book mm-hmm. uh which is made into a movie the picture that i put up that i'll put up um I probably put up several on the website. Uh, it's from the 2020 version of Emma. This was in the Regency period, is about 1815. Uh, and they do have a much higher, I quote unquote waistline. Cause it's like, can put a ribbon it's not, under it's your under boot. your bust, yeah. yeah. And that's, and so so they're wearing something like that, which means that they, they don't really have to wear the full corset anymore. So they did have-
1: They probably got they tired of undergarment.
0: It for that they had these are called either transitional stays short stays whatever you want to call them but that's doesn't the that look like a bra? a bra
1: yeah that's the bra yeah. that's the bra's fetus right there
0: well don't worry of course this will come back um <laughs> so that so this is yeah th- this looks like a bra a lot and if anyone's watching bridgerton which has been really um popular recently you will see that they're wearing short stays in that you also see them doing tight lacing which is completely inaccurate for that time period uh but i digress so um so so much money
1: to make movies and shows and you don't do research that like you did probably in like a day
0: like oh we can talk about that on the on the debunking the debunking end um (laughs) we definitely can because i've watched a lot of videos and i can post a lot of videos and i can send them to you because there's so many dress historians out there who are so sick of seeing it and now it's created a whole youtube corner where people Mm -hmm. are like okay so this is wrong this is wrong this is wrong um which is i i don't know i think we as humans like to watch that (laughs) i like to see people fuck up anyway uh, I, I think actually Oh, I just realized the reason that I initially stumbled upon all of those videos so it was actually because I was watching debunking videos about cooking oh. uh, which which was something like we talked about it and we are eventually going to do an episode on this because there's a bunch of like content farms out there that are putting out a bunch of cooking videos that some of them are possible and some of them actually aren't possible. Oh, well, like cooking um, hacks and stuff. Yeah. The, the, exactly. Like the hacks and stuff. So, uh, yeah, there's a channel by this woman named Anne Reardon, who's a food scientist and it's called how to cook that. And she actually goes through and does like, like, so this is not possible. <laughs> like you can't do this because of this. So she debunks a bunch of things and also tries like, uh, she has these videos with her husband called Clever or Never, where they try kitchen gadgets. It's fantastic. Oh. Anyway, but that, that's what led me down the corset rabbit hole. So Got I think it. there's a whole, this, like, culture on YouTube of people being like, wait, is this real about a bunch of things? And yeah. then there's a bunch of people who want to explain it. Um, but you should always, like, do more research yourself to make sure that you're not listening to someone who's stupid. Um, or lying. Or both. <laughs> So, uh, so this is the last, (laughs) last few examples we have, of and then we can talk about sexism. Um, Oh, my God, time is flying. Okay, so, so here's a lot of pictures, because the Victorian era had a lot of different fashions in it. Um, So, so the 1840s, 1860s, you have like the big hoop skirt, and then, uh, but you still have that conical waist. Um, Or you again have the conical waist, I guess, um, because our waistlines then have moved back downwards. Uh, Then you have the 1870s, 1880s, which is like a big bustle. So it makes your it makes your butt look big. There's a lot of gathered skirts in the back. And And then you move down to towards like a slimmer one. But they all have sort of the same torso shape.
1: You know what the bottom Um, row looks like? It looks like the evil stepmom in Cinderella, and then also Mary Poppins. That's what that looks totally. like. Totally,
0: it totally does. But I, I don't. The evil stepmother in Cinderella. She's got, I got think that. Like, I saw a video that's breaking that down. Yeah, I think they were like, oh yeah, she's kind of Victorian style. Yeah, yeah. You got that it like is. plum thing with the sleeves. It's very tiny, but mm-hmm. then she's got like the the big ass thing going on. Yeah, yeah, totally. I yeah, she is in a Victorian dress. Yeah. So so that's that's a Victorian corset, this picture I'm putting that up now, like which corset. is, yeah, this this is what we know as a corset. And I, I don't know exactly when the nomenclature changed from stays to corset, because there's some differences. Um, I'm not going to try to define the difference because it's really nuanced, but I will put up a video of Abby Cox, um, otherwise known as, um, she's one of the owners of American Duchess and they do a lot of videos and they do some books and stuff about historical things. And she has a whole like half hour long thing where she (laughs) explains the difference between stays and corsets. And it's like, it's interesting, but it's very complex. Um, Yeah. So, okay. So the next, Next thing I'm gonna gonna show you here is Edwardian dress, and this actually would be in the time of Anne of Green Gables. So <laughs> like when she was an adult. This is what she Oh would have yeah, it
1: like. looks like Anne of Green Gables.
0: <laughs> yeah. So okay. Oh, she's got the, the well, parasol. Well what... she does, and if you look at their so their torsos look different um than anything normal. we've seen before. Do they look normal though?
1: Wait, let me see it again.
0: They look uh lower. Okay, they look lower. And they're like, they're so what they're wearing is an Edwardian bust bodice. And they also have a bustle in the back. Okay. Um, what this is supposed to make is, is they call it like an S bend or something. And people also call bust bodices corsets, but they're actually not because um, they, they don't really cinch anything in. Um, but they're there to make that shape. And what they kind of made was this shape that was referred to as like a pigeon breast and or something like that. Um, because it rounds it, yeah. Like, uh, like, like, it does. It rounds it. And if you look at Edwardian era things, especially like, so an Edwardian era outfit, and of course, a lot of them are really, really bad. So I'm like, you can't just go to any movie that's set there. But, um, but if you see like, like a woman wearing a shirt and she kind of have has like a rounded bust and then like a de- but a definite waist and a long skirt, like that's an Edwardian fashion. Yeah. So know this is what yeah. Yeah, this is what, what they would be wearing underneath. Wow. And so you can see it's kind of rounded out. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, it's basically like instead of trying to flatten things, you're trying to round them out. And what they're doing is trying to create those soft feminine curves that were embraced at that time period. Um, and that wasn't necessarily achieved... Just by putting that on, there was also padding involved. So sometimes there was more padding involved than cinching, uh, and then an Edwardian one like I uh, I listened to this absolutely terrible podcast okay so basically all of the podcasts that I found about corsets are absolutely terrible so if someone finds one that's actually a good episode that talks about the real history of corsets please let me know uh there was one that really pissed me off and I'm not going to call them any of them out by name because there's no reason to do that um they have a lot more followers than us um and and they, they this episode purports to like tell you how corsets function but it's two dudes who who quote like a bunch of male sources, and then they like look at a picture of a woman in Edwardian dress, and they're just like, "Oh, it's bending her spine." And I'm like, "Do you really think that th- that it's actually doing that? Do you think that?" Um, because everybody. Edwardian Edwardian bust bodices don't <laughs> like like sure. Putting on anything that's too tight can really fuck you up. But if you wear an Edwardian bus bodice correctly, it's not doing that. And also, like, when you see a woman's butt sticking out like that, like, do you not think she's got something else back there? Like, do oh you also God.
1: think that, like, we come out of the womb wearing gold eyeshadow and, like, yeah, sharp glass lines on our eyes? I don't ridiculous. hate men. Like, I want to say that. I don't, I don't hate men. Sometimes they make it very hard <laughs> to keep doing that.
0: <laughs> and it's... I, I just... Okay. Uh, I, it, 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 it's so frustrating. Th- this episode in particular was really frustrating to me. And I saw, I saw some other ones. The The reason I chose this one is because I had listened to an episode they did about the electoral college and it was pretty good. Like, like they didn't, I, I don't think that they like w- went in detail on some things, maybe as much as I would have to, um, to clarify stuff, but they did have a pretty solid episode. So I was like, okay, they, they might have a pretty solid episode for this, but like, so it's two men, which isn't bad <laughs> in and of itself. Like they are the hosts of the show. Like they can't just change it and be like, oh, now we have a female host for this episode. Yeah. Okay. But like, so like, that's fine, but they, they didn't like have an expert on, I don't think they talked to experts about it. Um, and literally like the people they were quoting were pretty much all men and they were like, oh, doctors said people shouldn't do it, but they just still did, and, like, all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, guys, you're I just taking here. the word of men from hundreds of years ago rather than, like, any women or, like, any fashion historians. It's, it's very weird. And I, like, I don't know. It, it frustrates me because if you're talking about something that is historical, there's a lot of context. And if you just look at a picture of a fully-dressed Edwardian woman you're not going, you're not seeing the truth. There's a bunch of structure under there. It's just the same way that if you went to the Oscars, like the, the people that you're seeing, especially if they're in these structured dresses, they don't look the same as that structure. Right. So I don't know. It, it's weird because they were looking at pictures and just taking it as it, like, like they were taking the picture as fact. And it's very, very odd.
1: So um, I have a sorry, screenshot <laughs> of a, of a, uh, a tweet. I was it a Twitter from at stevie matt and it said white men did not produce great art and literature white men produced art and literature that spoke to other white men so they all collectively agreed amongst themselves that it was great a lot of it ain't that great so it's kind of along those lines where it's like well men from back then deemed this okay so obviously they must be right like what have we not learned not to listen to all doctors from like the past they didn't know what they were doing.
0: Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna shit on historical doctors in a few minutes here. I can't wait. But let's talk about sexism first, okay? So sexism. Okay. Um. So the the whole the whole thing that actually kind of interested in me and interested me in wanting to do a podcast about this topic was I was seeing so much on YouTube. And I started to think, oh, there might not be something in another place where people can actually learn about this. And the video that really kind of pushed me over the edge and made me think like, fuck, I really want to talk about this. um, is called How Victorian Men Taught Us to Hate Corsets, The Biggest Lie in Fashion History. (laughs) Uh, And uh, it's by Karolina Zabrowska, who is a Polish, um, I, I don't know if she's a fashion historian, per se, but fashion history is a big part of her life. And I think she works in costuming. Um, that could be wrong. I might cut it out. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> so uh, so according to her, and she's done a lot more research into primary sources than I. So I haven't, I haven't found all of the research that backs up everything she says, but I don't think that she put it out there without research. Um, and I will continue to try to find everything that backs up that. Uh, but basically what she's saying is, women were especially because fashion became like an actual um business of its own it was something that women could do for work uh women could be seamstresses that's something that's very easy to do because like everyone has a certain level of sewing skill so if you decide okay i'm going to commit myself to apprenticing and learning this it's something that then becomes available to you, and it's a really smart way to make income in, you know, the 1700s if you're a poor woman, uh, or or a regular or a middle class woman, etc. So like, <laughs> there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of women then who sort of sign in, and uh, and I haven't found a lot of records of women corset makers, uh, but she's claiming that there definitely were some. One of the ones she says is Madame Palmier basically what it was is like women are making corsets women are involved in fashion um they are making money at it they are sort of getting more acclaim and notice and that's maybe not something that flies super well with male tailors at that point uh so there were sort of some struggles between uh, like tailors and seamstresses over like who had the authority to be like, no, I'm the one who makes this. You're the one who makes that. Um, so you'll see in the 1700s, particularly when that like big Marie Antoinette dress comes out, there's tailors and then there's mantua makers and like the mantua makers make the dresses, but the tailors still want to make the corsets for some reason. Like there's, <laughs> so it's like, it wasn't men making men's fashion. It was men making almost everyone's fashion. And then women are kind of like edging in there. And there were some men who were upset about that. Um, the I'm unfortunate so thing, the unfortunate thing about when we're trying to talk about this issue in particular is as, as we know, the history of a people is a history of its ruling class. Um, so that means rich people People with power in whatever way, whether that's you're powerful because you're a white person in a society that, you know, does not value people of color, then you have some sort of power. You know, if you can make your own money, you have some sort of power, um, that kind of thing. And most of that belonged to men. Um, And when you have a lot of power and you think what you're doing is absolutely right and makes absolute sense, you don't want anyone to take that power away. (laughs) Um, Power is addicting. People love it. Money is addicting. People love it. (laughs) So women wanted to make money and we're trying to do that as well. But then when men kind of realized, Oh, women can make money in fashion, then women's fashion in general tended to be something that was made fun of. uh, Because. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like it's, it's, Oh, well you're being vain and like, but then think about your high class women, such as Marie Antoinette. Like what does she have to do all day? Except make babies and, like, entertain people and, like, be pretty. Yeah, exactly. So it's really not surprising that particularly rich women were really interested in fashion because they didn't have as many other things that they could use to express themselves. Um, I think one of the great things in, that I've seen... I, I'll, I'll let you talk in a minute. Sorry, I just want to finish this. The uh, One of the great uh, examples of this um, and, the, and and what I'm trying to talk about is very nuanced. I'm sorry, there's not more factual info here, mm-hmm. but it's very hard to find. Um, but if you watch the movie The Duchess, which is is a decent adaptation, Um, she she has a lot of interesting like cool fashions, and they show her as being a trendsetter, uh, which by all accounts was actually true. So like that was a place where this woman who didn't have a lot else in her life was like, okay, well I. Have this friend who's interested in politics. I'm kind of in that, but I can't really be in politics because I'm a woman. So I'm gonna be like, you know, dressing ostentatiously. So there's like a picture, not a picture. There must be like a drawing or something that it was based on. But I know in in the Duchess, the movie, for example, like she's supporting Charles Fox and she's at an event and she's wearing something with like a fox, like fox fur on it. You know, so there's definitely like elements of women's fashion that were partially to, like, support political movements in a way without speaking out. And there was also just the fact that they wanted to have something of their own. Um, so, of course, the women's fashions got ridiculous, but the men's fashions were so ridiculous up until, like, the end of the 18th century. Yeah. So there was a lot of ridiculous fashion going on, um, but it tended to be the stuff that got attacked was women's fashion. Um and it also like it got attacked in things like newspapers and pamphlets and other printed materials. Uh. And who owned the printing presses? Uh. <laughs> men owned the printing presses. Uh, then <laughs> so so men own printing presses and they're they're putting this stuff out. So this oh, this photo got cut off. This is really annoying. All right, so this this got cut off, but basically what is out of frame on this is a man who is like Pulling on her corset laces, well, they would be stays actually, like super, super tightly, uh, and I think there's even a maid who's holding on to him, and it's called uh, "Fashion Victims," a satire, and it's from 1777. Uh, so people have always been making fun of women's fashion, but but that was kind of a way where where people. I say people that that was kind of a way where like men were able to frame it as like, oh, you're being forced into this, you know, like this is something that's all for the male gaze, which I think is easy to believe if you're a woman who's being oppressed in general, you know, be like, oh, why well, am I wearing this because I chose to like maybe it's just because it's the fashion of the time. And maybe this isn't actually being oppressed, but it's hard to tell.
1: Um, I've been thinking about a lot about that in terms of like wedding dresses cause Queen Victoria <laughs> popular popularized the white wedding dress. So everybody after that just kind of started having white wedding dresses. And it's definitely weird, like growing up and like but talking about weddings, especially cause it was three girls in my house with me. So like, of course we're talking about weddings and stuff and you know, um, my parents are still together. So like we would ask about their wedding and, um you know watching say yes to the dress and like like thinking about when you get to that point where you get to put on this white dress and now that i'm (laughs) in that spot and like 28 and thinking like why does it have to be white like why do i have to wear a white dress i know you didn't you didn't have that
0: but like (laughs) no no i did not i had a just just for our our listeners out there uh (laughs) i wore i actually didn't wear it dress i wore a skirt and a top so i had like i had like a a a cream beige kind of like lace top and then i had a a burgundy skirt with a train so
1: but originally you had a red one and then you had that beautiful
0: green one which well so I originally love. it was gonna have multiple weddings so yeah. like i don't know we'll probably still do a renewal of our vows so i'll probably still get to use the green one but i love that yeah. dress.
1: but i was thinking of like faith wore like a blush pink one and i was looking at like gold ones but nobody really makes gold ones so i was like but it's definitely like you feel that i really wanted
0: like, a gold one actually for a while i was looking at yeah. them and i couldn't find one no good ones they're all prom dresses yeah um they, they either look like trash or they're really expensive like that's yeah, yeah yeah
1: but yeah it's definitely weird to think about like with fashion and stuff like the stuff that we do comes from somewhere and there's like socially quote-unquote accepted stuff that you do uh, some people would think it's weird if you don't wear white to your own wedding but like part of me would feel weird too because that's what you've been like built up to want when you get to this point
0: you know what i mean I mean, I definitely looked at white wedding dresses, even though I didn't really want one because I thought, well, I don't know, like it's traditional. Maybe I should look at it, but I none of them ever spoke to me. Right. But yeah, I don't know. Okay. Well, yeah. So, (laughs) so yeah. All right. uh, Took a little bit of a digression, but that's okay. I like wedding dresses. Um, (laughs) Let's okay. So let's talk about 18th century doctors. Um, the best doctors, (laughs) the best doctors, uh, so doctors, there, there were some doctors who were trying some things then, uh, but okay. So one thing that is important to understand about medicine, like for most of history, honestly, is that it is based on the male body as being the norm. Like that's why would body. we need to study women? Like, like it's you know, men just like like women just have one more rib because <laughs> they were made out of one of atoms, you know. And like that, which is not true. A male um, white body too. <laughs> Yes, yes, exactly. Because the the countries that were that were developing and um, like, especially with the Western countries, I'm talking about like Northern Europe and the, the US, um, which also is the fashion trends I'm talking about. So uh, the people in those areas uh, who were studying medicine, they were trying, there's a lot of things that doctors got really wrong, because they're basing it all on men's bodies, men's bodies and women's bodies and other genders um, are not all the same. Um, there's different things that are happening. There's different hormone fluctuations that lead to physical fluctuations. There's there's all kinds of different things that happen to women's bodies that doctors really didn't know anything about uh, at the time period where like stays and corsets and stuff were really popular. Uh, so things like hysteria and all that, uh, which, you know, hysteria is like not really a real thing. It was kind of a catch-all for like, this woman's acting up. What do we do with her? Like, allegedly that was said to have been caused by corsets. Uh, people said heart disease was caused by corsets. People said tuberculosis was caused by corsets. All these kind of things. Um, so for some reason, these, these doctors in the 1800s who like also bled people and did all kinds of things that we now know today to be not helpful medically, and probably very dangerous. For some reason, we trust those doctors implicitly about corsets because they were there at that time period. <laughs> like, it, But it doesn't really make any sense because it was also at a time period where women's bodies weren't being studied. So the doctors didn't know enough to be saying the things they were saying. But a lot of our preconceived notions about corsets are just built off of that. Um, like, like When I'm saying all of the Uh, episodes of podcasts I was trying to listen to about corsets and things, like basically all of them were predicated on the notion that, well, we all know corsets are bad, (laughs) but maybe there were aspects that were a little bit better, or how bad were they? They were terrible. You know, like it's, they're all like that, and they're all sort of saying, like, oh yeah, these doctors were clearly right. So. Um, so what I'm saying is maybe we don't trust the doctors who lived hundreds of years ago and were only studying men's bodies and also like believed in things like ill humors that could get into your body and fuck things up. Like maybe we can put our own science on it and actually see if it's, if it's harmful. Anyway, um, so, so that's my just little bit about 18th century doctors and really like anything anything pre like the last 50 years is really not current. I'm sorry, <laughs> but yeah. it's not like, that's the thing about medicine is that it's evolving. And like, there's a lot of stuff that we sort of understood to be true, but have not tested. Uh, and there's a lot of things we have yet to learn about medicine. Isn't it so weird that just it- because the doctor, uh, I, sorry, just the, the last thought I had was just because doctors campaigned against corsets doesn't mean that they were actually causing the things they said they were causing.
1: Right. Isn't it weird also that 50 years ago is now 1970 and not 1950? Yeah. Because yeah. 50 it's years ago for me is always going to be 1950.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it's very strange. I didn't actually think about that. But, but actually, yeah. Like when, when you look at like a lot of the, like I've been listening to a fantastic podcast called Maintenance Phase mm-hmm. uh, where they talk about, it's all about diet culture and like fat phobia and stuff like that. And they talk about diet trends that have gone on. And, like, you look at that, it's like, yeah, clearly that's terrible. But we've only realized that in the last 20 years, you know? Yeah. So there's there's a lot of stuff that gets debunked all the time. And for some reason, we don't want to debunk corsets. And I think, honestly, or, or sorry, no, debunk. Uh, we don't want to debunk the myths about corsets. Um, I think, uh, honestly, what it is, is that every every generation or every, like, group of people who is doing something kind of newer wants to think that it's better than everything that has come before it. And when you look at bras in, in the context of history, they are pretty new. Uh, you know, they're definitely, I mean, maybe they're a century old. I actually didn't look into bras. I just looked into corsets and stays and stuff, but, uh, but yeah, so they're fairly new, but we want to believe that we're better and smarter than everyone who came before us.
1: Yes. But uh, with So bras- I think that's why- Sorry. with bras came now the idea that saggy boobs aren't acceptable
0: yeah like
1: exactly which is the way your body naturally is yeah. If, you, yeah if we didn't wear bras all of our boobs would be saggy and yeah. now like whenever that happens it's like well you really let yourself go which is a whole <laughs> other thing
0: yeah and i mean like honest it's just it's changing fashions and stuff like that and really being forced in to any kind of clothing is going to feel oppressive, whether or not you were forced into it like by a person or by society, you know? Like, so there's always gonna be people who don't like wearing like lots of layers or they don't we- like wearing things that are even constricting in any way. And so of course, those are the voices I think that have come sort of to the top of like the, the women who were wearing corsets complaining about them were either probably being mistreated in some way or they were being led to believe they were mistreated or they actually just didn't like the way that it fit. And that's fine because not everyone's going to like every fashion. Um, I pre- like, actually like uh, I can't wear rompers. Like no, we any can. romper I have tried to get, I cannot wear it. They all give me camel toe. I have a yeah. little bit of a long torso and it's just, it doesn't work.
1: Do so there's torso.
0: just certain trends that some people can't, my ass hates
1: rompers. It makes everything yeah. terrible. Like no matter what, it's not it's not built for every single body, which sucks
0: because I yeah. really like rompers. <laughs> yeah, there's there's no article of clothing that is built for every single body. Like that's I think that's really a takeaway there because if people say, like like one of my favorite things is is hearing people say like like these dudes on the podcast did did was oh, doctors told women not to wear these, and they still did. And it's like, well, yeah, because, like, that's what they'd always been wearing. Yeah. Like, that was what was required by the dresses they were wearing. Like, that's, you know, like, if someone just was like, oh, you shouldn't wear a bra, and then they didn't give you any replacement, Yeah, and you lived in the same society, you'd be like, well, I'm not just going to go out and not wear a bra, because everyone's going to look at me like I'm crazy. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah like, people know. like. People really give you some looks if they can tell you're not wearing a bra. Like that, have, and like yeah. way worse would have happened if you weren't wearing stays or a corset.
1: I but. have to really check myself because I really want to judge people when they don't wear bras. I'm like, what are you doing? Like you're out in public. And a lot of sailors have just stopped wearing bras. And I really have to check myself, be like, they're allowed to do whatever they want. They don't have to be wearing yeah. a bra. Like, unless they're like titties are coming out at work, that's yeah. a problem. But like, if they're contained you know enough then it's probably fine but i really have to work on that with myself
0: yeah and it's and it's something that um actually that feeds in really well to the next thing i was going to say <laughs> because uh so the whole thing about uh about corsets being um sorry being a form of oppression was it wasn't as popular an idea until the suffrage movement adopted it <laughs> so it's like it's well, basically, like you have, like at first, maybe you have some women who like legitimately don't like them and they don't want them to be a thing, and then you have like the men who are like, well, you know, like your fashions are stupid, and you know, like the women are making too money, too much money because they figured out how to, how to design these things, and now they're making them for them, themselves and for other women, and they're making money, you know. So like, you've got that going on, and then then you have the suffragettes being like, well. Women shouldn't be forced to wear anything specific, which is true. (laughs) Um, But then they take on the corset and they're like, oh, yeah, well, these doctors are saying these horrible things are happening. Like, why are we forcing women into these things that are hurting our bodies? Which is a totally legitimate concern. And I'm not saying that they were dumb or anything, because there's no way they could have known that that wasn't actually accurate. Um, a, A lot of doctors just didn't know what the causes of things are. And they were like, eh, corsets, maybe like, that kind of was a trend, you know, so I'm not saying that the suffragettes t- were wrong to, you know, say, oh, corsets are bad and all that. But what I will say about it is that it was sort of predicated on an idea that did not all come from the way women felt necessarily. Mm-hmm. It was more of a symbolic thing. Yeah. All right. So, so let's move on to this because, like, as anyone can tell, as I'm talking my way through this, like, you can kind of understand my personal viewpoint on corsets uh, is that they're fine, Um, which I think is pretty obvious as uh, the way that I'm talking. But we'll talk about some specific myths um, that I have found out were not true that I thought were true that kind of changed my ideas. So, So for one thing, A lot of the, so you mentioned the Guinness Book of World Records I did before and like how you see like the woman with a super tiny waist, which I saw when I was a kid too. And I was like, that's fucked up. Like that's interesting, but who would ever do it? Right. Um, That tends to be the narrative that gets highlighted the most um, when anyone talks about corsets. They're mostly not really talking about how corsets were ever worn, like at the time when they were worn. Uh, normally. um, They're just talking about the examples of what's called tight lacing. And that's not a specific, there isn't a specific measurement to say what is and isn't tight lacing. Effectively, what it is is that if you can't breathe and you're fainting and like you're doing all of the things like that or having all of these bad side effects, you're probably tight-laced and you shouldn't be because you're using um, like, like A, you're hurting your body and B, you're also not using the article of clothing the way that it was meant to be. It's like wearing clothing that's too tight. Um, so the tight-lacing gets a lot of attention um, despite the fact that it was really only popular during a short period of Victorian history Uh, Mm -hmm. And people wrote about it because it was weird. Not because it was, like, people wrote about it. They, like, had fashion plates and stuff because they were like, this is a strange thing. Like, why is this happening? Like, it's it's like... Oh, what's a weird fashion tra- trend today uh well, like it. like waist training we can talk about waist training actually because like people wearing those tiny waist trainers like and you can see pictures of like like i'm thinking specifically of like kim kardashian and like her sisters and stuff like that is creating a waist that is unnaturally small it's creating like strange proportions so i would say like that is our version of tight lacing today right. um which means that corsets worn normally is for like spanks yeah like it's like a thing that people like, it's like Spanx or honestly, even just like any kind of like a structured undergarment, it's not going to be so tight that you can't breathe unless someone laced you in much too tightly. And, and that's not how it's supposed to be. Um, so really tight lacing wasn't an everyday practice. It's not something that has any place in all of the movies that it's in. Um, the Victorian period uh, was in the 1800s. So if you see anything pre that and someone's being tight laced, it's probably just wrong. <laughs> to be quite honest, um, look, Bridgerton, which uh, which I mentioned earlier when we were talking about like the short stays and that Regency period where they have the high waist, uh, which is actually like an empire waist and it's not really your waist; it's just under your boobs. Yeah, um, They're despite the fact that they're all wearing uh, like all of the young ladies are wearing that silhouette in the beginning of Bridgerton, they show up a, like a, a girl being super tightly laced into her stays, which is really weird. Cause like, they're not structured in the same way cause they don't have the boning. Um, so really you're going to start ripping your garment apart more than anything else uh, when you're doing that. And also it doesn't make sense because look at the dresses Um, The dresses do not have a natural waist. So why are you cinching in where your natural waist is? Because no one can see it. Like the Regency period was totally the time where you can eat whatever you want. And like, you can have a little bit of extra stomach under there because it doesn't matter. Like, you know, and, and it really wasn't that restrictive. So what they're showing and all that restriction, it's just not a thing that happened in the Regency period. Um, You could argue that this is like a, a fantasy genre because it is, but if you're setting it in an actual time period in an actual place, like just don't tight lace girls into corsets for no reason. Uh, so, so anyway, so the tight lacing, which gets a lot of press and that's how you get those super tiny waists. Um, that really wasn't very common. Uh, there is also no evidence of women having ribs removed to fit into corsets and make their waist smaller. This yeah. is something that I I was told this as fact uh, at the library when i was a little kid and i went to the living history thing they were like oh yes women would get their ribs removed to try to you know and it was all this narrative it all puts it on the women like it all says like women i mean they just did all these dangerous things to look really good and it's like yeah. uh okay but did they yeah. Uh, and it turns out, no, they didn't because surgery wasn't a very common thing to happen then anyway. And you wouldn't put your life in danger to get your waist a little smaller, right. like, yeah. So, so there's, there's no evidence of rib removal. Um, also, as I mentioned before, uh, men wore corsets and stays as well, um, in history and, but it was mostly for their stomach. Uh, and of course, since, uh, since men were the ones who were running the, you know, printing presses and that kind of stuff. When fashion got made fun of it wasn't men's corsets that were getting made fun of it was women's. Right. Um, so there's also that um, the average waist size is another thing I want to talk about, because a lot of people, I think, believe that these women were being corseted down in like the, you know, 16, 17, 1800s, um, down to like 16 or 18 inches as a norm. That's not true. Right. That's not true at all. Um, the average from extant garments, so like garments that have survived is about 24 inches. Um, and that was in the Victorian era. And that's when tight lacing was the most popular. So 24 inches is still a very small waist. But that's like, that's like someone who's like, a younger Oh, and generally, those were from uh, young women's garments as well. Not yeah. older women. So there would be, it's a miss someone, which means she's probably like teens or 20s, mm-hmm. as opposed to a missus, which would be like later on. Like um, and of children, yeah. and you gain more weight. Yeah, absolutely. So so these, these garments that are the 24 inches are from generally younger girls. Um, as we've talked about, like the nutrition wasn't as good. So maybe they were just a little bit smaller, but they weren't as much smaller as people are thinking. Mm. Also, when you measure a corset... <laughs> Um, when you measure a corset just on its own, like you have like a corset on a dress form and you're measuring to see uh, how big it is, please understand that a corset is going to be necessarily smaller than the waist size of the person wearing it. Because otherwise, the uh, the lacing of it doesn't do anything. Right. Like it, it, if the corset is the size of your waist, it's not cinching, it, it's not doing that support that you need it to do. So... Yeah, so you can't just just measure the corset. You also have to say like, oh, and then you add a few inches so that you you know you realize like, oh, okay, this this person wasn't you know they didn't have a twenty inch waist. Maybe they had a twenty four inch waist, and they have a twenty inch corset in case they lose a little bit of inches or their weight fluctuates because a corset or stays is actually easier to adjust. Uh, They also were generally made for a woman specific body and not like just a general woman but like your corset would be made for you yeah um or like your pair of stays would be made for you so it wasn't like a mass produced thing that women then got stuffed into um which is what we're doing today um (laughs) and it's wrong um (laughs) so yeah so there's that um also oh here's another one so I think it was Emma Stone, I want to say, who got really popular for talking about this a while back, but it was, uh, she said her organs shifted um, from wearing a corset a lot. Um, That can happen. Your organs can also shift when you are pregnant. Um, So I I would be curious to see what she means and like how much they shifted. And did they just go right back when you stopped wearing the corset? Also, how tightly were you laced? Because if you were laced super tightly and you couldn't breathe very well, well, somebody is doing you wrong. Yeah. Um, so, Emma Stone, if you hear this, you were laced way, way too tightly, and that's fucked up. Yeah. Um, anyway. So, so there's that. Um, So yes, the shifting organs is like partially true, but it's way not as bad as anyone says that it is, really. Um, When you get down to people doing the extreme waist training or the extreme tight lacing, then you do get into issues where you have um, more, more health issues, um, just in general. Uh, A thing that corsets actually can do is they can weaken your back muscles because the corset does all the work for the back muscles basically. Oh. So like if you are wearing corsets, that can happen if you're if you're wearing them constantly. Um, but that's just that's just something to know. So like they can have effects, but they're very understandable effects if you're wearing the garment correctly. Let me see here. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just have one written down here that was from a video that I was watching. Uh, people were not just smaller back then. Um, like there, there are examples of like 30 some inch waist from the 1800s from garments that still exist. Like it's not, people weren't just smaller and Hope and I actually have experience with people just assuming that size has changed based on like a historical thing, because people would always come down below on the boat that we work on. And because the overhead, which is the ceiling is like super low, people would be like, oh, I guess people were shorter back then which just tells me everything i need to know about like how people figure things out it's just like assumption
1: <laughs> how many times do you think we heard that phrase thousands oh, it's
0: not more. i don't, I don't it's even never know funny. no it's never funny and it's also like looking someone in the eye who actually believes that it's really hard to know what to say right because like, yeah, i like really yeah. think like i think people think like watching watching movies that are set in the region Sierra where like they're all actors and everyone's super thin because that's how they cast it. They think that maybe that's the truth. Or you look at garments that still exist from maybe like a rich woman who was tight lacing because she can, cause she doesn't have anything else to do. Um, and that was um, actually the reason why some women did that was to show like, I don't have to work so I can have the super oh. tiny waist and be high fashion because like, I'm literally just sitting or whatever all day. I'm um, pretty yeah, so it's like, if you have a lot of money, you can afford to like wear things that restrict your ability to move. And, you know, you can afford to like, wear things in a way that kind of, you know, creates a person who can't work. But a lot of women worked while they were wearing corsets, a lot of women worked while they were wearing stays, fears of bodies, like, so you look backward and and like every class of women was wearing these they were doing all kinds of work you know like whether that's like something that would be super hard on someone like um like laundresses back in like you know 1700s or whatever like that's a pretty shitty job because you have to like (laughs) constantly be dealing with like heavy clothing and all that and like you know so there was a lot of stuff that you could do while you were wearing corsets um like, I would point to, if you watch Pirates of the Caribbean, there's a a moment where Elizabeth Swan is being laced into, it's not a corset, it's actually stays, oh. um, for what appears to be the first time, which is fucking weird, because she definitely would have worn them before that. Um, I almost put a whole, like, diatribe in the video that we made about Pirates of the Caribbean, but I was like, that's way off course. Okay. I'm just going to, I'm going to keep on sailing. <laughs> but yeah, she definitely would have worn a corset before. And if you look at her maid... In, like, that scene and other scenes, she is wearing a corset or stays or, like, well, she's probably wearing stays. Um, but, like, so people who are working were wearing these, too. So how does it seem likely that they were actually torture devices? Um, mm. There's there's actually a really great video by Carolina Zabrowska who did the the video about how Victorian men taught us to hate corsets. Um, she does one that, I think it's just called, oh, it's I have it up here. It's called Curb Your Corset Stereotypes. And it has first it has a bunch of female actors talking about having to wear corsets and how horrible it was and like oh how did women exist in that and then there's a bunch of actual like source material historical photos of victorian women like doing all kinds of things in corsets um like climbing mountains and trees and doing like you know all kinds of outdoor stuff so you really could and if you can't it's because the garment does not fit or it's you're wearing it wrong or the person laced you into at least you're really too tight
1: it's almost like um, guys wearing heels for the first time and being like how do you get anything done in this and it's like you just do you just you just yeah get it, you just get it yeah, done. you just
0: go do it yeah and like you get used to it like there's yeah. lots of things you can get used to um let me see okay so we talked about how the fact that you don't get yeah, hysteria and pulmonary, pulmonary diseases all these kinds of things um oh i do want to talk about just just to rag on those doctors again um <laughs> so the things that they all said were were caused by corsets have basically all been things that like we don't have evidence that's actually true for one thing um also many of those diseases were not particular to women and did not go away or we've since found other causes, so mm-hmm. it's like you know we say that that corsets could cause uh, like like fainting or something. Well, people still faint even when they're not wearing corsets, so maybe the problem was like, oh, this woman's too warm, and no one was listening to her or something, and so she fainted. Oh, what? Um, also, fainting is not mentioned that much in a lot of. Uh, 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 like So if you look at, like, diaries versus fiction at the time, like, fainting is mentioned in fiction, but it's kind of, like, as a way to make the story move along, whereas if you read diaries from that time period, like the 1700s, 1800s, you're not finding anyone saying, like, oh, I fainted today, or like, oh, like, Sissy fainted, we had to take care of her, you know, like, none of that is happening, <laughs> so, like, it probably wasn't actually as common as people Or saying it was, I'm not saying it didn't happen, but it's much less common. Uh, Then also, I think the last thing I want to talk about is uh, the way that we wear corsets in like movies and all that kind of stuff is just completely wrong. And the way that I've seen a lot of women, particularly the ones who want to be pirate wenches wear it, uh, tends to be wrong in that there always needs to be something under the corset. They were not meant to be worn straight against your skin Uh, I think there's even like a television show on Netflix where they have like a scene of a a woman having her corset taken off and she's like it it had cut into her back and supposed to show like like how painful these things were and I was like well she's wearing it wrong like you would have like a shift or a chemise or something under that to keep it from rubbing up against your skin so there's just all kinds of things all kinds of things that we do in movies and uh just sort of the bias that we reinforce with ourselves uh Mm -hmm. is creating a bad rap for corsets that probably should not exist uh and like all kinds of clothing it depends on how you're wearing it how long you're wearing it you know how is the garment made what is the quality like did the person if someone helped you like did they do the thing they were doing is it positioned correctly like what all of these things are things you need to take into consideration when you're wearing any kind of, especially like any kind of garment that's not, you know, a loose thing you want to make sure you're wearing it correctly. So I think generally the problem that a lot of people are having with corsets is that they, if they've worn them, maybe they haven't worn them correctly um, or were sort of seeing interviews and things by actors who have had um, costumes that are designed not by corset makers. Um, Like they didn't have like, a corset maker make their corset, but they had like a costume designer who looked at pictures, and then made a corset and then put them in. it. And that doesn't mean that the corset is going to be the same as it should have been for that time period, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's like someone who doesn't really have the historical knowledge and is going for a look will not necessarily make something that's like as comfortable as it should be. Right. Um, And while I'm talking about uh, corsets and stays being like people being able to do stuff and like that, yeah, you can totally breathe in them and all that. um, I just want to reveal to you. Are you wearing what I'm wearing? (gasps) Wow. (laughs) Um, So I just undid my shirt off for me. I, I'm wearing a wrap dress, just in particular, because I was like, "Oh, I want to just like hide the fact that I'm wearing it, and then at the end, just be like, I've been wearing a corset for this whole time. Yeah, uh, it's been, it's been what a repeat. So, like, can you change, stand up? It away from, Yeah, it away from, It's not long enough for me, unfortunately. Because oh. so I actually made this. You made, made that? This, yeah. Um, it's 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 pretty. It's pretty poorly made in terms, of course, it's in general, and it should be, I'll probably post a picture like of it on my dress forum online. I don't think i would post a picture of myself because I just have a tank top underneath it. Yeah. But, um, but I am wearing it correctly. I have a tank top underneath. Um, I actually laced it for the most part myself. I pre-laced it, and then I like put it on. And got things mostly tightened, and then I did have to ask Chris to help me tighten it a little bit further. Um, and but that's mostly because I have a shoulder injury. Yeah, and I didn't want to like, put my shoulder back there, but I probably could have actually made the whole thing up myself, which is another myth. Because every it seems like every person who's been like <laughs> who's talked about like getting ready wearing a corset, they think that you can't put it on by yourself, and you can. I so, was thinking.
1: I was thinking your boobs did look different, but I wasn't gonna say anything. <laughs> you know, I was gonna be like, I was just like, oh, that shirt makes her boobs look different than normal.
0: <laughs> They're higher. They're yes! higher. I you was like, see a little bit of cleavage, I
1: which is weird. weird like, but
0: when I was a little bit, I'm actually, i like, Is she pregnant? Is she gonna tell me this episode that she's pregnant? <laughs> <laughs> No, <laughs> I am not pregnant. <laughs> not pregnant, but but what I'm wearing is I'm wearing stays that are similar to what would go underneath this like Marie Antoinette dress, All right? Effectively, so they're 18th century stays, which you know. So, effectively, if I wear this for the rest of the day, I'm going to get hysteria, right? <laughs> yeah, that's how you get it. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So obviously, wearing wearing a pair of stays for like the, I guess I've been wearing them for like two and a half hours at this point, because I was wearing them for before. But like, obviously, wearing it for that long doesn't mean that I know exactly what it would be like to wear one every day. But luckily, we do have people on the internet who have worn them every day as... Uh, reenactors at historical sites and um, I'm gonna post some of their videos uh, Abby Cox is one of the ones that is great for that because she actually spent about five years working at Colonial Williamsburg and was wearing like I think it was yeah it was like like the stays and not not that dress but like a similar sort of style of that but with a, a less wide <coughs> less wide hip because it was a slightly I don't know why I just have like a frog in my throat, but, uh, it's not, it's not from the corset. So, well, but anyway, so, um, so there, there are people online who have had a lot of experience doing like reenacting and stuff in this kind of garment. And I'll put some of those videos up online to show people. Also, I will once again, name drop Bernadette banner because she's a wealth of information, this kind of stuff. Uh, but she, Actually, so she has the Edwardian silhouette naturally because she has scoliosis and she had to have like, she had to have a health corset growing up. So she was like, I grew up wearing a corset, like this is what it's like, like, you know, like, and she, and she shows in some of her videos, like here is the the corset that I wore, which was, it's like a, a plastic, like a medical device basically, but it does the same thing. And then she like compares it to other corsets and she's like, yeah, it's pretty similar actually. So. Anyway, but yeah, so the big reveal is I'm wearing a corset, not a corset, sorry, I'm wearing (laughs) stays. That's the big reveal. Uh and and they are they are just to to talk about boning again, they are fully boned, um, which means (laughs) that they have see, it's you can't say it without (laughs) giggling. Fully boned is so funny. I've been it's funny because I've watched a lot of a lot of and like like honestly YouTube is a wealth of knowledge for this kind of stuff because you find yeah. people who can lead you towards primary sources. So I've been watching a lot of these videos and like they talk about boning in a way that clearly shows they just they use that word so much that it's It's not know, a thing. It's yeah. become normal for them. It's not it's not a funny thing anymore, but it's funny for me. But I do and I don't have um when I was thinking about what kind to put in I wanted to put in something natural, but then I read that steel is less comfortable than plastic boning, so I did get some plastic boning. Um, but it also was cheaper, to be quite honest, because I don't have a lot of uh, a lot of money to devote to it. But um, I made this because I was I was interested in the fashion of the time, and I was like, hey, we'll do a corset video, and that will give me a reason for wanting to like push myself <laughs> to get done with it. And so now I'm done, and I've got that and. I might make a historical dress to go with it. Cause, yeah, yeah but but yeah, so I've, I've been sitting it and the things that I've noticed is like similar to what Bernadette says about the way that you breathe. Um, it is a little bit different. And I feel like I'm breathing more in the tops of my lungs than like my diaphragm, but also it's a, my my stays are a little too short cause they're not right. Cause <laughs> I went from a pattern and they're not right for my torso, so, um, so I can actually breathe from my diaphragm a little bit too. But, uh, but it's not inhibiting my breathing. It just changes it a little bit. It changed my posture. Um, I haven't been slouching, which is yes. nice. And I mean, my right back now. doesn't hurt, but my back didn't hurt before. So, I, yeah. But just generally, it didn't really have an impact on anything that I was doing, except for when I went to the bathroom and I went to wipe. And that was a little tougher. But other than that, I, it's a lot of information. But, but other than then- that... It really didn't have much of an effect. And then I just sat here this whole time wearing the corset and like drinking coffee and like moving around and all that. And
1: just doing normal lady things.
0: It's fine. Yeah. And I and I was eating a snack while wearing it beforehand, which is was also fine. So, yeah. But anyway, uh, that's that's the rant I wanted to have about corsets because I got really mad about it. And I was like, you know what? we plan to have someone else on this week and the the scheduling didn't work out. So I thought, Hey, this would be a really fun time to talk about corsets. Yeah. Um, that of course was before the events that happened earlier than earlier this week, but we yeah. will talk about those on our next podcast because we're going to have another history class with Ryan. And I think that he can contextualize it in a way that would probably be better than I can. So buckle up the fun belt. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> But this one is an actual nice, fun one. Before, yeah. like next week, will be like uh, definitely good stuff to talk about, but but probably not as fun as talking about courses. We'll do another. Uh, but now. really, you're, yeah, <laughs> kind of. Yeah, if you. Um, but anyway, as, as a listener, if you if you get anything from this, what I want you to get from it is that just because everybody says something doesn't necessarily mean it's true, and specifically if you're saying. That something's oppressive. Make sure you're right, yeah. because it's I, like it's it's really it's really frustrating to like to have come to like uh, a sort of see all of these people who have studied this stuff for so long and they're just kind of like shouting the same stuff on the internet because no one's listening to them and people keep making these like you know historical dramas that have terrible costumes and basically make it look like these women are being forced into horrible positions um when they're not and or or they might have been but maybe they weren't so so i guess I just want to encourage you to second guess that kind of stuff and think, huh, everyone wore these for hundreds of years. Like maybe our understanding of it today is not taking into account some things. Movies are
1: not full fledged (laughs) peer reviewed history lessons. That's true.
0: They're not. Oh, although while I'm here, let me call out a couple of them that I've have learned are very good. Um, As I said before, Tulip Fever apparently was really good. Um, that's, that's what I've heard. They have a lot of small details and I'll, I'll put a bunch of YouTube videos on the blog post for this. So you guys can see what I'm talking about. Cause it is a very visual thing. Um, but, but yeah, so the ones for that were apparently really good, including like the details on the roughs and stuff, uh, is all apparently really good. And then Marie Antoinette, mm-hmm. um, I've seen multiple sources that say that that's actually a really good representation, <clears throat> Minus, um, of course, like, you know, the converse you see in the corner that's like there to appeal to an audience in the odds, you know, it's like, you know, like minus the fact that there's like some super bright colors, but that was to make it appeal to like the American teenager, honestly, and it did, but they still did a really good job in costuming. Um, The costumes in... I was just talking about this. Emma. um, The costumes in Emma were also very good. There's whole videos devoted to, like, how much people love those. Emma from 2020? Oh, 2020. Because there's a lot of versions of Emma. Yes. Um, Emma from 2020. Um, And then there's also some other ones that the movies that I genuinely really like that I found out the costuming was not as good. For example, I love little women from 2019 i think it's a really great uh reimagining of the story without losing a lot of the stuff uh, yeah. apparently the costumes were not great <laughs> um, the there was again a corset issue because some of them aren't wearing it when they're supposed to be um florence Pugh because she's a star um wore hers all the time apparently like she wore it of it, course it's with everything um even when they were given the choice not to, so thank you, Florence, because that is probably what made your dresses look the best because they have the best Florence, silhouette. Florence Pugh is our queen for real. She is our queen. We just love Florence. Yeah, Pugh. we've already talked about Ben Somar, and I talked about like, <laughs> like, like I'm like dragging the costumes, but I'm also like, but she was the best. Um, but, but, they, but they weren't like. I don't think they were. They were super terrible. Um, I will say, in this one, Emma Watson did wear a corset for some of it um despite the fact that she refused to for uh beauty and the beast it's funny because i actually remember us having a conversation when you were like she refused to wear a corset because a woman like that wouldn't have been wearing a corset like all that and i was like "Mm." and then we kind of (laughs) never talked about it again until now but uh but yeah so what you feel better i don't remember saying that (laughs) Okay, It, it, it was like it was i think i didn't even know you that well and i was like is it I don't know, <laughs> like, but uh, what she would have been wearing is like basically what I'm wearing now. that's what she wow. would have had under um and I mean f- for me as a woman with big boobs, it's great because it's it's holding my boobs up and Are you wearing a bra no, wow no, no this is the, the, the this is what. Yeah, like this was supposed to be undergarment. Like this was before the bra. So I'm wearing um, I'm wearing a tank top <laughs> because you are supposed to wear something underneath because otherwise yeah. it'd be super scratchy. But now, yeah, I'm not wearing a bra. Look this is that. all all stays. <laughs> it's, not, it's not all me, uh, but yeah. So oh, and I I do want to say just because I just mentioned Emma Watson and I was doing it in kind of a shitty way. Um, I think she was trying to do a really good thing when she refused to wear um. I mean, the quote-unquote corset, which actually would have been stays um, for that time period. I I think that she genuinely thought, like, no, this is a thing that, you know, wouldn't have been accurate to this character, and this was something she would have done. Um, Historically, it would have been something she would have done, just because it was the norm, and it it was an undergarment that she would have had to wear. But I think that, I I think Emma Watson was miseducated uh, to believe that corsets were all horrible. And that's really because of all the stuff we see about tight lacing. So I, I don't think it was her fault. Um, yeah. I do think it's funny that she was allowed to do it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So, I mean, hopefully at this point, and I think because she was wearing a corset for parts of little women, I think that maybe she realized, like, oh, okay, that wasn't quite right or right. something. And oh, that's too. fine. And then, like, you look at someone like Karen, Karen sorry, <laughs> go on.
1: Uh, I would just, I would speculate that maybe she did it because she knew a lot of little girls would be watching it. And that could be where yeah. who's coming from, where she didn't yeah, want and, them to do it.
0: Right. It is a fantasy story. Yeah. It is a fantasy story. And I get that. I think they could have done it. I think they could have just had her wearing one and not talked about it. And it would have been fine because, like, like so. If you watch uh, the most recent Cinderella um, with Lily James, yeah, name, I was like, it's not Lily Collins, yeah, it's Lily James. Um, but she she was quoted as saying, like, "Oh, I could only have liquid food if it made me feel really faint." And when you watch it, like, She's holy tiny. fuck, that is completely horrible. The what they did to her, they shouldn't have done that. Small, like that's it's small. She it's looks like really the cartoon. Bad. Like and and honestly, like this this is such a problem. Like we shouldn't be forcing. And, and, and I think that the reason I want to say this is because I don't want to be just like dragging uh, actors who are saying like, "Yeah, my corset was really terrible," because that's probably the life experience they had, and they probably didn't have the agency or the understanding to go up and be like, "Hey, this isn't right. Like this needs to be looser than this, or you know, this this yeah. isn't properly placed, or it's not properly measured for me." Like I'm sure as a young woman in that situation, you either wouldn't feel like you could say something, um, which is, which is why it's actually impressive that Emma Watson was actually felt like she could, but like, like, you wouldn't feel like you could say something. You also wouldn't know like how it's supposed to fit and how it's supposed to feel. So I'm not like dragging any of these actors because if they did have that issue where like, they could only have liquid food or, you know, like Emma Stone was saying about how like, you know, it was horribly uncomfortable and she couldn't breathe and stuff like that's the experience they had. And I'm not arguing with that, but what I will say is don't work with that costumer again, because that person did not do their research. um, And it's irresponsible to lace someone down as tiny as they did to Lily James. Like that's, that's a fucking travesty that should never have happened. And like, when you look at that, like, okay, so like, why did they do that to her when it was okay for, Oh no, maybe that was before Beauty and the Beast. I can't remember which one came out first. I'm wondering if Beauty and the Beast Cinderella came, out before Cinderella. came out in
1: 2015 or 2014. And then Beauty and the Beast came out in 2017.
0: Okay, so I I, I wonder a little bit then was it I mean not, not that like that she was necessarily reacting to the Cinderella movie, but I wonder if Disney was like, yeah, we got some bad press for for like making Lily James look like the super tiny wasted cartoons, So yeah. maybe we'll just go with this and like not have a recourse. and In which case I understand that. And also it is important to point out, like both of those are, they're not historical dramas. Yeah. They are Disney movies. Um, yeah. yeah. But anyway, I, I, I still think like, you know, for Beauty and the Beast, because there's a time period that they could have were, had our worst days and it would have been fine. And they probably wouldn't have like had any way that they, could see it, like unless you saw her dressing, it would have been fine. But yeah. yeah. So yeah. so there's there's a lot to be there's a lot to be said still on the corset topic, but like just generally I would say it's like any article of clothing. Like if you're wearing it wrong, if you're wearing the wrong size bra, you can have back issues and you can yeah. have, you know, stuff cutting into your shoulders and all that. So it's similar to that honestly yep. it's it's probably more similar to that than it is to torture devices and if it feels like a torture device is because someone laced you in way too tight yeah but anyway so yeah corsets, it <laughs> it turns, out, corsets. turns out they're not that bad turns <laughs> out turns out that when men are writing history and they have a reason to dislike corsets or think that women's fashion is ridiculous then those things are going to get demonized and <sighs> sometimes those things last on way longer. And of course, like there are horror stories out there, but they just were not, they weren't most of them. Yeah. (laughs) So. Yeah. Anyway, so that's, uh, that's corsets. Um, I will say, I said these women's names before, but I'm going to say them again, just because I, well, I haven't said some of them. So I I do want to say all of them so that I know that I've hit them all. The um, Carolina Zabrowska, I think was the first, well, that I actually watched uh talk about this stuff I want to get into more like what like men's fashion too and learning more about that but I haven't um but but yeah she's really cool um she's Polish uh and so she has <clears throat> um she has a little bit of an accent uh which is fun to listen to um because of course her English is great so uh <laughs> Anyway, like, like everyone who's like outside the U.S., they have right. great English in addition to the other languages they speak. Uh, but yeah, so she's great. And then Bernadette Banner, um, I believe used to be a Broadway costumer and she does a lot of stuff. She's the one who did the, like, I grew up in a corset, um, yeah. video. She's the one who made the medieval dress. Um, then you have, uh, Abby Cox, who actually, I think she and her partner at American Duchess designed the, the stay pattern that I made from. Um, and they do a lot of sort of, I think efforts to make historical fashion be more like interesting and accessible to people. Uh, so that's pretty cool. And they have some patterns out there. Uh, Mina Lee also is uh, a one. She really does a lot of videos about, she'll talk about like style points versus historical accuracy points, which is really fun. Cause then you can just, you know, watch a video about movies you like, and you don't necessarily go away like feeling bad about them so she talks about like different princess dresses and stuff um and all that she talks about she does a video about bridgerton where she's wearing the the uh, shortened stays the whole time which is kind of cool that's actually where i got the idea to wear this so so there's that and oh gosh there's a woman whose name i cannot remember but she did a video about um corsets on a plus size body and that was really really cool so i'm gonna have to look that up and I'll have to like, I'll include her name in it. Maybe like I'll go back and like <laughs> put her name in this podcast, and then also put that uh, video up. So, so that's a lot of the the stuff that I sort of looked into to learn this. And yeah, it's really cool. So yeah, shout out about to uh, the people <laughs> who did a really good job on their costume design and corsets, and uh, all the other movies can just try to do better. So yeah. That's what I got on Corsets.
1: My shout out this week is gonna be for O'Berry's Auto Shop in Emporia, Virginia for getting me to Pittsburgh. And for Evan in Bellevue, Pennsylvania, <laughs> Pittsburgh yeah, for we, uh, looking should at Should see our if Christmas. they
0: have an Instagram. <laughs> <We> should... <laughs> should see if they have an Instagram and tag them like in the this episode's Instagram thing and have them be like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. So that's okay so that those are see. those are good the people who helped help at home as always I think we want to shout out to dicks for good they don't have anything to do with corsets or cars but they raise money for awesome things so that's good so yeah dicks for good which we've yeah. talked about a lot is a it's a charity that sells stickers and other items that are dicks. They are fallacies against fascism. And, and you can get all kinds of different designs. Ooh, you uh, can get a commander in show had, one in his last week in office. Yeah.
1: She has uh, t shirts <laughs> and keychains and stickers, whole bunch of stuff available. And I think ornaments.
0: Yeah, there was. Uh, yeah, we got the Dick in the Box Christmas ornament. Uh, and I don't, I think it was there for like three whole weeks. And then Chris didn't notice since I had to eventually point out and be like, Hey, can you find the dick on our Christmas tree? (laughs) So so that can be fun. You can have fun with your partner and see if they notice things. Find the dick. (laughs) But yeah, so dicks are good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So yeah, yeah, we've talked about boning. We've talked about dicks. (laughs) 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 Thank you so much for getting home. home. And I think we're done because we're kind of just rambling now. So yeah, we're almost at 2 Rosie, hours. Now. <laughs> and yeah, um I am Rosie. Corsets are not death traps unless you're using them wrong and facts matter.
1: <laughs> yeah. I I'm hoping now that you know better, be better
0: hi there it's rosie um i just wanted to put a little bit on the end of this because there were a couple things i didn't get to uh so if you were waiting for me to talk about um whether or not women's legs got hot when they were wearing all those layers of fabric um i have a lovely video that i'll put up that talks about that um it's a youtube video with some reenactors and fashion historians uh where they kind of came to the opposite conclusion which is that because the fabric was being held off of their legs it kept them a little cooler in those uh those dresses with those giant skirts um then another thing that i wanted to just mention um as i talk about like all of the fabric layers in those dresses um during the time periods where corsets were more common uh, part of uh the reason that corsets made those actually a little bit more wearable was because they were supporting not only the torso but they're helping the body support the weight of the fabric so i just wanted to put those little bits in and uh once again thank you for listening